Good morning. So this morning we're um, continuing our sermon series called Rise Up, and this began on Easter Sunday, and we're, we're looking at stories and events uh, where Jesus brought life, and, and we're kind of seeing the echoes of that new creation sort of echo throughout the narratives of Scripture and into our own lives as we understand what it means that Christ died for us, defeated death, and, and rose again. And so this morning, um, we're actually going to be looking at a tale of two cities. It was the best of times, it was the worst of times in many ways. And in these two cities, it was literally the worst of times for two uh, families. And the first city is the city of Shunem. And there was a Shunemite there, and, and they had a son who, who stopped breathing. And a prophet of God came to bring healing and new life. And I actually want to read this story from Second Kings It's in chapter 4. It says, Elisha came into the house and he saw the child laying dead on his bed. And so he went and shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and lay on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, his hands on his hands. And as he stretched himself upon him, the flesh of the child became warm. Then he got up and walked once back and forth in the house and went up and stretched himself upon him. The child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. And so this sort of pivotal moment in this family where their son stopped breathing, and the prophet Elisha shows up, and he he does something admittedly kind of weird to read. (laughs) You know, he puts himself on top of this child, and and, and, and prays to God. And then the child sneezing uh, starts to breathe again, has new life. In another city, fast forward into the New Testament, in the city of Nain, there's a widow who lost her adult child. And because she was a widow, she had no means to work, no way to support herself. And so her adult son was the way that she was able to live. And Jesus comes to this widow in Nain and And having uh, pity on her, wanting to encourage her and support her, he raises her son to life. This comes to us, I want to read this passage too, in Luke chapter 7. It says, Soon afterward he, that is Jesus, went to the town called Nain, and his disciples and a great crowd went with him. And as he drew near to the gate of the town, behold, a man who had died was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow, And a considerable crowd from the town was with her. And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her, and he said to her, Do not weep. Then he came up and touched the bear, and the bearers stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. And the dead man sat up and began to speak, and Jesus gave him to his mother. And so again, another sort of heartfelt story of a mother who lost her son and and Jesus comes and and brings healing. And if you read the story of the Shunammite and the the story of the widow and Nain, they sound very similar. Moms losing their son and then uh, someone, a prophet of God, comes and brings new life and healing. But what's more fascinating to me is not just that the stories themselves are similar, it's just how closely related these two cities are. If you uh, look at a map, and I mean, it's a little bit maybe hard to see, but it's uh, kind of 
to the left of center at the bottom, you see two stars, one for the city of Nain and one for the city of Shunem. And literally, there's a valley that separates them uh, and Mount Moriah off to the side. And so you can stand in the city of Shunem and look across the valley and see the city of Nain and vice versa. And so if you were in Nain when Jesus shows up and raises this child from the dead, if you were familiar with the scriptures, the Old Testament stories and the stories of the prophets, this had to be this um, surreal moment where two very similar events happened. And, and I can't help but think that as this was going on, they couldn't help but see the similarities. Maybe the coincidences, right, of what had taken place. And so the city of Nain and Shunem share a little bit of a similar thread in terms of an event. And, and what you begin to get a glimpse of in Scripture is something, it's a, it's a theological concept, it's a term um, called typology. And what typology is, is when something in the Old Testament generally um, points to a truth that is going to be fulfilled in the New Testament, or in particular in the person of Christ, meaning that there is a type in the Old Testament that is fulfilled by Jesus in the New Testament. And, and Jesus actually draws this connection himself in a lot of ways. In Luke uh, chapter 4, for example, Jesus is uh, in, in his hometown synagogue, and he's teaching, and he, he tells those gathered He says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor, liberty to the captives, sight, give sight to the blind, liberty to those who are oppressed, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And the teachers of the law and the Pharisees hearing Jesus say this, like what he's come to do, um, they're taken aback by it because uh, after all it says, isn't this just the boy from Nazareth, the small town whose father is a carpenter? I mean, who is this guy? And then Jesus goes on to sort of draw parallels between him and some of these Old Testament figures. He says, today the scripture, which would have been the Old Testament, has been fulfilled in your hearing. And he begins to tie himself intimately to the prophet Elisha and Elijah. And as he's talking about these prophets in light of himself, the anger and wrath in the room starts to increase. They do not like what they're hearing. It says, when they heard these, all the synagogue was filled with wrath. They rose up and they drove Jesus out with the intent of pushing him off the edge of the cliff. No prophet is welcome in his hometown, as the saying goes. And so Elisha is the type that's fulfilled in the person of Christ. The Old Testament stories are pushing us forward into the presence and fulfillment of Christ. And so when we read the Old Testament, we read all these great stories, um, but they're not stories that are meant to be emulated or, or celebrated in some way that makes it seem superior, Like David and Solomon and Saul, they were kings, and in some ways they were faithful kings, but in many ways they were unfaithful kings. They were a type pointing us to the true king who fulfills everything, Jesus. 
And there were prophets in the Old Testament, Elijah and Elisha and Samuel and Isaiah. And these prophets spoke on behalf of God. They, they did many wonderful things, but they were a type of prophet pointing us to the true prophet, the one that was going to fulfill everything that is Jesus. And there were many priests in the Old Testament, some corrupt, some not so corrupt, some a little more faithful, some less than faithful. And they were all types of priests that point us to the priest, the fulfillment of everything, which is Jesus. And so the Old Testament really is pushing us to see the person of Christ as the fulfillment of all of Scripture. And you see, the resurrection account, the event of Jesus defeating death, pushes us even forward now. You see, we read the New Testament and we read the Old Testament, but in a way, Jesus in his life is pointing us to something greater. He's a type of fulfillment that is going to be fully realized in the future. And here's what I mean by this. Like, think about it. Jesus shows up on the scene. He says, I've come to set the captives free, give sight to the blind. He raises the dead. He heals the sick. And a lot of exciting things happen, just like when the prophets are showing up and healing people and bringing life. But then guess what happens? What happened? Life goes on. Like, who, who of you who wears glasses or has trouble seeing wouldn't want some Jesus healing right now? Those of you who've lost loved ones, people who've passed that you cared about, I mean, raise up. Come on. Live again, right? Or like all of a sudden, like, <laughs> I mean, I have a pain in my back every now and then that I used to not have. Like, what, what's with that? <laughs> Jesus, just heal it. Bring it, right? Like, why, why do we have to get old? I mean, didn't Jesus come to bring life and healing and peace? He did. And as he walked and lived among his creation, his people, he gave us a glimpse of a future hope that is yet to be. And so we still experience, you know, aches and pains and loss and fear and suffering just like the people in the Old Testament after the prophets left. But every one of these events that happened in the Old Testament and in the person of Christ in the New Testament is constantly pushing us forward into a new hope, something new that is yet to be where all of God's creation is restored fully in finality, complete and whole. And I think, kind of like the scholars, the teachers of the law in the New Testament, when Jesus is standing before them, they get kind of worked up because, because they've been reading and studying and they're, they're waiting for the thing to happen and, and they lose sight of the fact that they, they, like, they become so focused on their understanding that they can't see Christ 
standing in front of them. They don't recognize that he is the Messiah. And sometimes I wonder if in our life and our busyness and even sometimes our study, uh, we, we lose hope and fail to see what Christ is doing and how he's in front of us, leading us into his new creation. This is an interesting verse in John chapter 5, the ESV. It says, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it's, it is they that bear witness about me. That is, in some weird way, sometimes we get so uh, concerned about this like, that we forget that it's bigger than this. Like we, we can see truth in scripture, but it's not the living word who is Jesus who defeated death. Um, the message version actually, I think, strikes a little bit more clearly for me. And so I want to read the message version of John chapter 5. It says, you have your heads in your Bibles constantly because you think you'll find eternal life there. But you miss the forest for the trees. These scriptures are all about me. And here I am, standing right before you. And you aren't willing to receive from me the life you say you want. That is, Jesus is offering us the life that we want, but we don't, like, take it. We don't follow into that life. And so this is what's intriguing to me. It's like a lot of times, and I'm not, I'm not against Bible study, I'm not against studying God's Word, but in some ways, that's kind of the easy part. <laughs> like, showing up, studying, reading, memorizing, it's great, it's great. But Jesus is the living word and he's present in a real way offering us something different, something new. And I love that last line. Are you willing to receive from me the life that you say you want? You see, Jesus is a pointing us to something completely different, but it's not something that we're just waiting for not something that we're just hoping will happen. It's something that we are assured will happen, that we trust will happen, but it's something that Jesus is beginning in us now because he's with us now through the power of the Holy Spirit. He is connected intimately to us. We bear the image of God in and through Jesus Christ. And so it's something that's now and not yet. It's something that we are a part of now that will be fulfilled in the future. We are types in a world that's pointing to something greater that will be fulfilled. And what that means is we are, as, like, as we leave here this morning, we act as a river of life and light as we lead. We offer. You know, maybe, maybe you can do something to restore sight to the blind. Maybe you've been gifted in that way. Like maybe you're an optometrist, right? We, we leave here and reconcile broken relationships and tensions because that's something new. We bring new life and peace and hope or maybe there isn't. We show up in new and profound ways in ways that are at times countercultural because people don't expect you. 
to bear those fruits of the Spirit, to be patient and loving and gentle and kind and all those things that are wrapped up into what it means to be marked with Christ who has defeated death and given us life. And so we live as a type, an echo of the resurrection, and we bring life now through what we say, through what we do, through what we commit to and how we live. And just like Scripture, we continually point to Jesus, who will come and will fulfill everything to its greatest potential through him. Broken creation will be restored. Broken people will be raised to new life. And everything will be different. But it begins now (laughs) with Jesus who is with you. And as you leave here and go with him, you bring resurrection and new life. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.